finish before perfect. All right, Jeremy, you hear me all right? All right, camera on Zoom, you still hear me all right? All right, excellent. All right, good morning, good morning. Let us, let us begin. So first of all, it is an incredible schos to be here with all of you. Baruch Hashem here, physically here in Toronto. And Baruch Hashem, I see my chevra back in Baltimore as well. A great schos to Baruch Hashem be back with, uh, with everyone. It's three, three worlds here. We're here in physically in Toronto. Chevra in the base marriage in Baltimore. Then there's Zoom. And I still have to focus on your bonus. So, all right, so Mir Sashem, a lot, a lot to do today. So today's daf is daf Zion. And in Mir Sashem, we are picking up on Vav Amud Bey's 6b. And we're picking up in Mir Sashem, three lines up from the bottom, Amun of Sin Barashi. So just to give a little bit of context. Remember again, on daf Gimel Amud Bey's, the Gemara said that the entire essence of this sugya, already beginning from, beginning from the Mishnah, which outlined a very simple concept, which is that although there is a mitzvah of yibum, but if the yivama, if the sister-in-law is an erva to the surviving brother, so yibum cannot be performed. And not only that, but if the sister-in-law is an erva, she not only doesn't do yibum, but she precludes her tsara, her co-wife, and the tsaras tsara, the co-wife of the co-wife from doing yibum. And the Gemara explained that ultimately all of this is learned out from achos ishto one's wife's sister. Again, I'm not going to go through the whole Gemara now, but essentially what it comes down to is as follows. We know that a person is not permitted to marry his wife's sister, okay? There is an extra word in that Pasuk of Aleha. The Gemara uses that extra word, Aleha, to create a Gzera Shava between Achos Ishto, one's wife's sister, and Yibum. To teach us that although there is a mitzvah of Yibum, if Halacha Lamaisa, the Yivama, is one's wife's sister. For example, two brothers married two sisters. So now let's say Reuven passes away. Shimon is Shimon now is the surviving brother. So now Reuven's widow also happens to be Shimon's sister-in-law. Halachalamaisa, he's not a oh, she's not a sister-in-law. His wife's sister, also a sister-in-law. His wife's sister, Halachalamaisa, he is not permitted to go ahead and do Yibum. Okay, so I will say, so that what you must trying to figure out is as follows. The fact that we need that drasha tells us that if I didn't have that drasha, I would have thought what? I'd have thought what? That yibum would be permitted even in a situation of a significant erva. That's what I would have thought. Because remember again, if I, if I wouldn't have thought it would have been mutter, I wouldn't have needed the drasha. The fact that I need the drasha tells you that otherwise I thought it would have been mutter. So I will say, the Gemara is just trying, and this is all of yesterday's daf, I was continuing today's daf, which is, why would I have assumed that's mutter? Why would I have assumed that performing yibum with a major erva would have been permitted? So we're trying to just find examples, another situation in which, again, such a scenario, or essentially, even by a significant losase, would have been permitted. That's the entire exercise over here. So let's go back to it. Says the Gemara. Amr Rasim Barashi. So Rasim Barashi says as follows. Now, the truth is, again, Ashi is, is bringing up over here by Shabbos, right? Remember, again, the Torah, in yesterday's daf, we had the fascinating drasha, Lo the Gemara wanted to know why do I need the Gemara wanted to suggest that what? That even Beisdin, who's obligated to go ahead and execute someone, would not execute someone on Shabbos. I, it's an assay, it's a positive commandment for Beisdin to carry out an execution once someone has been condemned. And there's a low assay of Shabbos, and I might have thought that the assay, that the assay of Execution overrides the law of Shabbos. says it doesn't. Says the Gemara. The truth is, it has nothing to do with with Rather, what? 
Well, see, here's what's interesting. There's a Kalvachomer. What's the Kalvachomer? Second line up from the bottom. Daf yumas. What does he mean when the Pasik says, those who desecrate the Torah, at least certain mitzvahs of the Torah, shall be put to death? So the Gemara says, Bishar Then I will say, here's what's interesting. That tells me generally, I'm not allowed to violate Shabbos. In a general sense, I'm not permitted to violate Shabbos. But perhaps, when Beisdin has an obligation to carry out the death penalty, perhaps that can be done on Shabbos. Bishar Malachos, so say, I might have thought that the obligation of Beisdin to execute someone sets aside the laws of Shabbos. In other words, so I will say it's not as much an Asei Dochelo as much as it is a Kavachomer. I might have thought that Beisdin is permitted to execute someone. And I will remember again, execution itself is a Malacha. Depending on the nature of the execution, it could be more than one Malacha, right? We saw like in Sreifa, Sreifa would ultimately again be Shrita and Bishal. Okay, it's in Havara. So the idea over here is, I would have thought, I would have thought without without Bechomosho Sechem, that execution should be Doche Shabbos from a Kavachomer. What's the Kavachomer? Zayin Amadalif, 7a, first line. We'll say, here's the Kavachomer. Here's the Kavachomer. Uma Avoda Shichamura Vidoche Shabbos. Supposed to listen to this. Avoda, which means literally again, Avoda in the base Hamikdash, is Doche Shabbos. I'm sorry, Avodah is Chamura, and then it's Docha Shabbos. Shabbos said, we know, Halacha Lama we go ahead and we perform Avodah on Shabbos, right? So remember again, Cohen does the Avodah in the Mikdash, even though Avodah in the Mikdash, by definition, has Molocha involved. So Avodah is Chamura, that it's Docha Shabbos. Ritzicha Docha Osa. Shabbos said, this is a wild Halacha. Ritzicha, murder, is Docha Avodah. Now what that literally means is not that Ritzicha is Docha, but rather punishment for murder is doche avoda. Let's talk about this in just a moment. Take a look at Rashi. Ritzicha doche osa. Shem hayerotzeach koin. Let's say you have a coin who murdered someone. And the coin wants to do the avoda. He wants to perform temple service. So what do we do, says Rashi? Sholchim umavin oso lamos. We go ahead and we take the coin and we execute him. We don't let him do the avoda. Rather, we execute him. Now, the one exception to this is something fascinating. So, if a coin murders someone, and he wants to do the avoda, we tell him, sorry, you can't do the avoda. You, you, have, you, you have other things to do, namely get executed. Right? We don't let him do the avoda. The exception to the rule is if he's already on the mizbeach doing the avoda, we let him finish. We let him finish. Shene Amar, because the Pasuk says, Me'im Mizbechi Tikachan Alamos. Now, Rabbi say it's interesting. The Gemara Darshan's Me'im Mizbechi means from my Mizbeach. The Mashmaos, the inference from that is, if he's Al Mizbechi, if he's on the Mizbeach, ultimately, again, we don't interrupt that. We let him finish the Avoda. And after he finishes the Avoda, then we execute him. So, right, so just follow this Kalvachomer. Sa Avoda, which is Chomer, right? Avoda in the base Amitash, which is Chomer, so Chomer that it's Doche Shabbos. Yet again, punishment, punishment for capital punishment is Doche Avoda, right? That if a Kohen wanted to do the Avoda, but Chas Shalom is liable to a death penalty, ultimately again, Avoda is set aside in order to go ahead and punish the Kohen. Now, watch this. Shabbos, Shenitches Mitne Avoda. Then Shabbos, which is set aside because of Avoda, because of service in the base Amigdash, ultimately, again, certainly, capital punishment should set aside Shabbos. We'll say that's the Kavachomer. If Avoda, which is Chamer, is Docha Shabbos, and capital punishment is Docha Avoda, then ultimately Shabbos, which is set aside because of Avoda, should certainly be set aside because of capital punishment, namely, that you could administer capital punishment on Shabbos. That's the Havamina. That's the Havamina. Therefore, the Gemara says, nothing to do with Asei Dochelos Asei. It's Kabachomer. And therefore, what happens? Let, let's just close out the circle. Therefore, what happens? The Torah says, no. Lo sevaru eish b'chol moshvoseichem b'yom ha-Shabbos. And moshvoseichem actually doesn't mean homes. What does moshvoseichem mean? That we saw in yesterday's daf? Beisdin. Beisdin. So therefore, the Pasuk teaches me that although it's a great Kabachomer, halacha l'maysa, we don't administer capital punishment on Shabbos. 
Incredible. So I'll say, I'll just mention, by the way, if you think about it, it's just like Aldiri Ashkafa. I was very, um, I had the great schos to repair the daf in, in Mel's home last night. I think it was the, the, the Ram Siyat Dishmaya that I uh, was thinking about this. What a strange halacha. What a strange halacha. Can you imagine this? So we darshan based on the fact, which means if the coin is next to the Mizbeach, ultimately, again, we can go ahead and take him for execution. But if he's on the Mizbeach, literally, like if he's doing the Avoda, if he's doing the Avoda, we don't interrupt him, we let him finish, then we take him. I thought about this, like, that's crazy. The guy's a murderer, right? The Kohen who's doing the Avoda committed a murder. He's on the Mizbeach doing the Avoda, it's very nice. But Lamaisi, he committed a murder. So the Gemara just let him finish. Let, 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 let him finish. We mean let him finish. Pull him, yank him off there. What are you talking about? The guy committed murder. You're going to let him finish the avoda? Yank him off. I don't care what he's doing. I don't care if it's the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur and the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Yank him out. Pull him out and administer the punishment. Elamai, what do you see? You see the power of a Yid when he's performing a mitzvah. You see, you see, at the end of the day, we all have profound imperfections. right? And we all do many, many, many things wrong. That's just the nature of being a human being. But in the moment when a Jew is performing a mitzvah, there is nothing holier. In the moment when a Jew is doing avodas hakodesh, in that moment, here you see this Kohen, and this is a profoundly flawed individual. After all, again, he murdered, right? And it's not a metaphor, by the way, that he murdered, right? Not that he murdered his potential, he murdered his possibilities, right? We're talking about a guy who killed someone. But Lemaisa, when he is in the middle of performing that avodah, when he is in the middle of performing that mitzvah, the Torah says, just let him finish. Just let him finish. Because when a Jew performs a mitzvah, no matter how flawed I may be in the grand totality of life, a mitzvah almost represents an island of spiritual perfection. In that moment, in that moment, I'm doing what I need to be doing. In that moment, I'm the person I really need to be. And Sekadosh Baruch Hu says, just let him finish. What's going to come is going to come, right? The punishment is going to come. But in that moment, just let him finish. And I will say, what a profound lesson for us also. Because the truth is, a lot of times, kind of going back to last night, also, you know, so many times we focus on our imperfections and we focus on what's wrong and we focus on what's broken. But we always have to remember that although there are many things that are misfiring in my personal life, the nice when I'm performing a mitzvah, in that freeze frame, in that moment, it's perfect. In that moment, it's great. And in that moment when HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at me, all he sees is the spiritual beauty of my Maisam Mitzvah. Let's go right there. Says the Gemara, Umay o'ena de kamar. So as I remember again, this is hearkening back a lot to, a lot to yesterday's daf. So remember again, there was a lot of back and forth in the Gemara. So the Gemara said, what was the other side? What was the other side of this argument? Umay o'ena de kamar. Haki kamar. Kvuras meis mitzvah tochiach. So I will say, what's the pushback against the Kavachomer? The pushback against the Kavachomer is as follows. What about Mes Mitzvah? Listen to this. Because Mes Mitzvah, we'll say, remember again, what's Mes Mitzvah? You find an unintended corpse, right? You find Chas Shalom, person who died. No one is there to go ahead and take care of the burial. Such a person is a Mes Mitzvah. So we'll say, listen to this. The Gemara says you could prove that what we said before is untrue from Mes Mitzvah. Oh, what's the Pshat of Mes Mitzvah? See, here we go. Shedoches Avoda. Remember, Mes Mitzvah is Docha Avoda, right? Because at the end of the day, if a Kohen is on his way, to do the avodah, and he sees a mes mitzvah, what's ta'alacha, what's ta'alacha, take care of the mes mitzvah, and I will say, what's the chiddush in that, what's the chiddush in that, of taking care of the mes mitzvah, even though what's going to happen when he takes care of the mes mitzvah, what by definition occurs, can't do the avodah, right, because now he's going to be tame. so mes mitzvah's docha avodah, ve'en docha sashabbos, yet I will say, here's what's interesting, mes mitzvah's not docha shabbos, right, you're on your way to shul on shabbos, and you go ahead and you see a mes mitzvah, what do you do, what do you do? What do you do? Nothing, right? You could cover the mace. In fact, there's a whole discussion in Machlokis, by the way, if you're allowed to cover the mace either, because there's a whole discussion in Luchos Muktza about whether or not you're permitted to go ahead and move a utensil to serve a Muktza item. Again, so we, we would pass that you cover, you cover the mace, but you don't do anything. So mace mitzvah is docha avoda and not docha shabbos. So the Gemara says, therefore, you see things. Just so in other words, the whole previous Kalachomer was built on the fact that if you're docha avoda, you're certainly docha, you're certainly docha Shabbos, right? Remember again, so we said before, if administering capital punishment is docha avoda, certainly docha Shabbos. Shulchan says, 
Now, the pushback to that is that Kavachomer is flawed because there are things that are docha avoda that are not docha Shabbos, i.e., meis mitzvah. So the verse says, Hadar Amar, then we go out and we say, Kvuras meis mitzvah titcha Shabbos mikavachomer. But again, on the flip side, right, so the pushback to the pushback would be that Kvuras meis mitzvah, bearing a meis mitzvah, should be docha Shabbos mikavachomer. Based on the Kavachomer, what's the Kavachomer? Uma avoda shi docha Shabbos. Avoda is docha Shabbos. Kvuras meis mitzvah docha osa. Remember what say? So avoda is docha Shabbos. And remember, meis mitzvah is docha avoda. We know that. So the Gemara mila achoso. That's learned out from the pasuk of ula lo aviv uli imo lo achiv ula achoso lo yitame lohem. So we'll remember again talking about the people you cannot become tummy for. But the Gemara dashes over by the Kohen Gadol that although he cannot become tummy for his mother, his father, and his sister, he can become tummy ultimately again for a mis mitzvah. So you see over here, avoda is docha Shabbos, and mis mitzvah is docha avoda. Shabbos shenitcha mipne avoda. Eino din should take should take vuras mis mitzvah docha osa. So therefore, again, Shabbos, which is nitcha because of avoda, certainly again. Meis mitzvah should set aside Shabbos. Talmud Lomar, lo sivaru eish. Therefore, both say the Torah comes along and says, lo sivaru eish b'chomosh osechem, which teaches us ultimately that Shabbos is not set aside. Fine. Ulamai de salak adaite meikara, so we'll say, so now here's what's interesting. So let's just kind of bring this all together. You know, we'll say, you know, what's, what's, what's fascinating about these sugyas, maybe a little bit challenging also, is if you notice, like, there's no break in the sugya, right? In other words, the sugya is continuous. So every once in a while, it's helpful just to go back and refocus. Remember again, here's what we have. In yesterday's daf, towards the end of yesterday's daf, we had the drush of Los Sivaro Shosechem, Biyoma Shabbos. We thought that was a sugya of Asei Doche Losasei. What the Gemara just did now is said, no, that's not a Sedochalosase. It's actually what? Kavchomer. Kavchomer. So we'll say now, okay, so now the Gemara is going back and saying, but when we originally thought that it was a sugya of Ase Losase, let's go back and revisit that. That which we thought from the beginning. That which we thought from the beginning. The Asi Ase Vidochilosase. That a positive commandment could come along and set aside a prohibition. That's what we thought originally. That ultimately the Torah was coming to tell us what? What? That you could administer capital punishment on Shabbos. Then I both say, how could you administer capital punishment on Shabbos? Administering capital punishment is a malacha. What's the answer? What's the answer? I say that the positive commandment of ultimately administering capital punishment is doche the lo of, of violating Shabbos. So that, we're going back to our original mindset. That which we thought originally, that I say, doche lo my o'eno de ka'amar. Rabbi say, what was the pushback to that? What was the pushback to that? Hachi ka'amar, here's the pushback. Ma'ani mekayim mechalaleha mosyumas. So say, in general, I thought, when the Torah says that one is put to death for violating Shabbos, what is that referring to? What is that referring to? Bishar melochus chutz mimisas bezdin. That's referring to other malachas. In other words, both say all other malachas, but it's not referring to when Bezin has to execute someone. But I would have thought that the ability for Bezin to execute someone is permitted, right? And that should be Doche Shabbos. Why? Because it's very simple. I would assume that the Asay is Doche the Losase. The Asay of executing someone is Doche the Losase of Shabbos. So the Gemara says, Hadar Amar, but then the pushback to that was, Amar Darminan Dasiase Vidaki Losase, Losase Greda. This goes back to the original Sugya. I would have thought, Siabo said, everyone is okay. Eh, pretty much everyone is okay. With the concept of Asay Doche Losase, when? When? What is what we'll call an ordinary Losase. Hey, Siabo said, what's a good example of an ordinary Losase? Good example. Best example? Right? The example the Gemara started with. Right? What was the example the Gemara started with? Sittis and Shatnas. That, that's, that's a nice, that's a nice, calm, right? We have an Asay, positive commandment, a Losase, which is essentially a lav. It's a prohibition, right? What, what happens if you go out and you wear Shatnas? Right? You get Malkis, not minimizing it, Chas Shalom, but Lamaise, it's a lav. So the Gemara says, I would have thought that when they say Asay Doche Losase, that's with the Losase Greda. Right? L- literally, again, just a regular lo sase. But lo sase shi ish bo kares. 
Mishames Leidedachi. I will say, but you know, to make the jump and to say that Aseidoch Elosase, ultimately, again, even by Elosase that has Kares, that's very strong. That's very strong. To which the Gemara says, Mishames Leidedachi. Hadr Amar Atu Asei Doches Losase. So we'll say, so then the pushback, again, we'll say what we're doing now is we're, we're go, just going through all the different layers of the argument. So Hadr Amar, the pushback to that was Atu Asei, Atu Asei Doches Losase. Lav. Lav Losase Chamer Minei. Vikaasi Asei Vidachile. So we'll say, so let, let's think about this just a moment. So we'll say, the whole notion of an asay doche losase. We'll say, which is stronger, an asay or a losase? Which is stronger? Which is stronger? A losase. Right? Remember again, if a person, if a person doesn't perform an asay, what's the repercussions of not performing an asay? None. You, know, it's, you lose. In other words, uh, a simple example, right? I, 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 oh, whatever. I, I don't take lulu of an esrg. I don't take lulu of an esrg. So what, what's the net effect? I've lost a mitzvah, which again is incredibly profound, but we'll call it on a punitive level. On a punitive level, it's minor, right? Or I should say, it's nothing on a punitive level, right? So listen to this. So it's just so fascinating. So the Gemara wants to say like this. Even if I subscribe to Asei Doche Losase, I would say that only applies in what we call a low-level Losase, like a lav, a lav. But the ability of an Asei to be Doche Losase that has like a chi of Misa, a chi of, impossible, impossible. Why not? Take a look at the whole notion of an, what the whole concept of Asei Doche Losase means a positive commandment, which again, has no punitive repercussions. The notion that an Asei can be dochelose. I'll say this is fascinating. By definition, every single losase is what is what more hummer than the assay. Right? That's just by definition. And yet you're telling me that an assay could trump it, could trump it, right? So therefore, again, the Gemara says mali zuta, mali Once you accept that framework, then halacha Who cares if the assay? is a love, or if it's a kares. In other words, we'll say it's so fascinating. If the concept works, the concept works. And if there's the ability of any assay to be docha los assay, then by definition, what does it matter if the los assay is a love, or the los assay is misa, the los assay is kares? Talmud lomar lo sevaru. Therefore, we'll say the passage comes along and says, Lo sevaru. So we'll say, so therefore, again, remember, all of that was a setup. What was it a setup for? Based on that logic, I would have said that halacha lamaisa, that halacha lamaisa, based in should be permitted to go ahead and administer a death penalty on Shabbos, based on the idea that the assay of execution or capital punishment is docha the lo sase of Shabbos. Kamash malon, the drasha, lo sevaru eish b'cho moshvosechem, the gzera shava, moshavos, moshavos, that teaches us that Beisdin does not administer death penalties on Shabbos. So I will say, again, what's interesting to note is, and that kind of is going to close out the Shabbos sugya, what's interesting to note is, just based on a pure like, asei docha lo we actually would have entertained the idea that Beisdin should administer death penalties on Shabbos. It's really only based on the fact that there's a Gzera Shava of Moshavos, Moshavos, that teaches me that Beisdin does not do so. So I will say, which essentially says, we're back to square one. We're back to square one. What's square one? Remember, square one, square one is, I don't know why do I need the drasha of Aleha by Achos Ishto. So right, we're, 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 right, we're right back there again. So once again, the drush of Achos Ishto teaches me that Yibum is not permitted in a situation where there is a Kares Erva. Okay? The fact that I need that drasha tells me that without that drasha, I would have thought, even by an Iser Kares. Why would I have thought that? So we're, we're right back there. Elo, it's Trich. So I will say, I need to go ahead and exclude Achos Ishto from Yibum Y. Sakadai Tchamina, listen to this. Tehevi hai eshesach davr shahaya bichlal, viyotza min haklal. So we'll say, listen to this. There's another issue. I would have thought that the prohibition of brother's wife, right? Achos Ishto, I'm sorry, eshesach, 
I would have thought that the Prohibition of my brother's wife was something Shahaya Bichlal that was inside of the general rule. Now, both say, look at Rashi, almost right across. Shahaya Bichlal, Ki kola sher yasem, kola the Pasuk says, anyone who performs any of these abominable acts, this is, this is the Pasuk, the catch-all Pasuk by Arayus, by immoral relationships. So the Pasuk says, anyone who commits any of these to'evos will, will experience karis. So Rashi says, bichol ha'arayos karis. Right? So kala bichol ha'arayos karis. So we'll say, this is the Pasuk, the catch-all Pasuk for all forbidden relationships. So therefore, we'll say, my brother's wife is included in that Pasuk. The Yatza Minaklal. Now we'll say ultimately, so what happens? So now, brother's wife was taken out of the Klal of Kares. Now, when was brother's wife taken out of the Klal of Kares? When? When? By Yibum, right? We'll say, remember, the great Chiddush of Yibum is that there is, there is a relationship. There is a relationship that was punishable by Kares. And now is not only permitted, but what? Is a mitzvah, which I both say, by the way, I don't think I mentioned this um, before, but there's an incredible Musar Haskell on this also, which is that for a Jew, what's right and what's wrong is solely determined by the will of God. In other words, both say, right and wrong is not determined by what I feel is right and wrong. Or ultimately, again, what, what my hashkafas or my ideas or my sensitivities, what's right and what's wrong is fundamentally dictated by the Ratzon Hashem. And which is why you could have a situation of Eshesach, a brother's wife, that is an Isr Kares. But yet again, in the case of Yibum, that very relationship becomes a mitzvah. It doesn't make any sense. If, 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 it's an Isr, right? if it's an Isr Kares, it's an Isr Kares. What, what do you mean now it's a mitzvah? So five minutes ago, it's an Isr Kares. Now the brother passes away, it's a mitzvah? Yeah. Yeah, that, that is the way it works. Why? Because that which is right and that which is wrong is never based on human sensitivities or human feelings because that's a dangerous thing. Because many terrible things have been committed throughout the ages because people thought that they were, that they were in the pursuit of some type of MS, some type of correctness, some type of rightness or righteousness. Our MS, our truth, our moral compass is fully and totally in the hands of the Riban Hashem. So the Gemara says, Eishas Ach, so, so, so my brother's wife was in the general klal of Arayos. Then Yibum comes along and removes it and says this relationship is permitted under a certain context. Viyatza min klal. So we'll say, now listen to this. So the Viyatza min klal, lilamed. And ultimately, again, when it's removed from the klal, from the general rule, it ultimately is removed in order to do what? In order to go ahead and teach me about that particular case, about that particular case. So I'm sorry. The yatsam in haklal lelamid lo lelamid al atzmo yatsa ella lelamid al haklal kulo yatsa. So we'll say, let's talk about this for a moment, then we'll go back inside. The gemara here is espousing an exegetical principle, and the principle is like this: when you have something that was included in a general rule, and then it was extracted from the general rule, the exegetical principle is. Whatever applies to that extracted item, you can now apply back to the rule. That's the concept. Davr shahaya bichlal, something that was in the klal, the yatsa min was pulled out from the klal. Lo lilameid al atzmo yatsa. It wasn't just pulled out to learn about it, brother. You pull it out in order to take that and then apply it to the general rule. The Gemara says this sign because we learned. Here it is. Davr shahaya bichlal, the yatsa min something that was included in the general rule and then extracted from the rule, wasn't only extracted to learn about the extracted item, but rather the extracted item is meant to what? Shed light on everything else inside of the klal. So Ketzad, Gemara gives an example of this. Ketzad, so we'll say the Gemara quotes, the, the Pasuk is as follows. A person who eats shlamim. Mar is talking about over here, Shlom, a person who goes in and eats Shlomim, and he's in a state of ritual impurity. So what's the halacha? What's the halacha? The halacha is shahid. Unfortunately, again, karis. Person intentionally eats sacrificial items in a state of ritual impurity, ultimately karis. So now here's what's interesting. Shlomim is included in the general statement of Kachim. So why do you have to single out Shlomim? Why do you single out Shlomim? 
Velama Yatsu, why single out Shlamim? Look at Rashi. Bechlal Kola Kachim Hayu Rashi says, Shekvar Kolo Karis Bekulan, Kolisha Sheikra Mikolzarachem, Elakach, Elakadashim, Asheyakdishu. Both the Torah already said a general pasuk that said if you're in a state of ritual impurity, you cannot consume consecrated items, sacrificial items. So you already said it. So why do you have to say it again specifically by Shlamim? So we'll say, here it is. You have a klal that says you can't eat karbanos in a state of ritual impurity. You pull out shlamim, and now you specifically articulate shlamim. Why are you bringing out shlamim? So shlamim are being extracted, ultimately to compare the rest of karbanos to shlamim. To teach me what? Just like shlamim are unique, in that they are kodshe mizbeach. In other words, they are karbanos. They're karbanos. So to the punishment of karis applies to any karbanos that you eat in a state of ritual impurity. What does that come to exclude? Yatsu kodshe bedekabayis. What does that come to exclude? Kodshe bedekabayis. Well, say kodshe bedekabayis just for our purposes means things that don't have physical sanctity but rather only have monetary sanctity. So if you were to go ahead and consume something that is monetary sanctity, right, bedekabayis, you would not be chayiv karis. The chayiv karis only comes about for items that have physical sanctity, or we'll call ritual sanctity, or sacrificial sanctity. So we'll say, this is just an illustration, right? What do you have? You have a principle, a rule, right? A kalal, a general principle. Then you have something specific pulled out of the principle. That teaches me a concept, and that concept then is applied back to the rest of the rest of the group, the rest of the kalal. Now watch this. We'll say, this is incredible. So I would have thought the same thing over here. Ha-chanami, ha-eshesach I will say, in general, my brother's wife is part of the general grouping of Arayos. I will say, what's the punishment for punishment for Arayos? Karis. Okay, now what happens? Now what happens? Eishazach is pulled out. Then I will say, now why is Eishazach pulled out from the grouping? For what purpose? For what purpose? For what pur- to permit it where? By Yibum. Watch this. I would have thought, V'lama Yatsasah, L'ha kishele v'lomer l'cha, Ma Eishazach sharia, Wow. Wow. I will say, this is incredible. I would have thought as follows. I have a klal. What's the klal? The klal says all arayos are punishable by karis. Who's included in the klal? Who's included in the klal? Eishasach, my brother's wife. Then something amazing happens. Eishasach is pulled out of the klal. By yipum. Right? And what does the Torah now tell me by Yibum? By Yibum? That I'm not only permitted to marry my brother's wife, but what? It's a mitzvah. So now that you extracted that from the klal, learned the rule about the individual item, I assume, well, how does the exegetical principle work? Take the rule now and what? And what? Apply it back to the klal. Which, which nets what effect? All arayos are permitted for Yibum. Wow. Now comes along the Aleha Aleha. From Eishes Ach, ultimately, from, sorry, Achos Ishto, from my wife's sister, to Yibum that teaches me, no. No, no, no. Not all arayos are permitted for Yibum, but rather only one specific case of my brother's wife. But any other erva, for example, my wife's sister, is not permitted for Yibum. We'll say, this is one of these moments where, like, the universe is in perfect equilibrium. Right? Everything is perfect. Everything is wonderful. Everything now just fit into place. You almost don't want to go on to the next word because we're going to stare it in just a moment. The Gemara goes right there. Where it says, no, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Me dummy. Me dummy. Hasam klal b'iser uprat b'iser. She will say, it doesn't make sense. I'll tell you why. Because, for example, in the case of karbanos, the klal is an iser, right? Again, you can't eat karbanos ritual impurity. And the prat, shlamim, is also an, is also an iser. Hacha, they will say over here by Yibum, Klal Be'iser, the Klal is you can't engage in Arayas, our forbidden relationships. Prat Beheter, the truth is, remember again, my brother's wife is being pulled out of that group to permit something. So the comparison doesn't really work. Halo Dami the say the truth is, if you want to compare this to an exegetical principle, here's what it's compared to. It's compared to the following case something that was included in a general klal, in a general rule, and then what? Viyatza, that was pulled out of the klal, lidun bedavar achadosh. And I both say it's pulled out in order to apply to it some type of chidush, 
some type of novel idea. And when you have a construct like this, a klal, and then something pulled out of the klal, and the item pulled out of the klal is subject to some chiddish, what do we say? I will say here is it's another fascinating exegetical principle. When you have a klal and you pull something out of the klal, and then a chiddishtik idea applies to the item extracted, you can't apply the chiddish back to the klal unless the Torah allows you to apply the chiddish back to the klal. Where do we see this? Tisanya. If you have an item that was included in the klal, in the general group, and now you extract one item from the general group in order to apply to it a chiddish, something unique. You cannot take that extracted item and apply it back or put it back with the cloud, put it back with the group along with its chiddish. Unless, of course, the Torah tells you to put it back into the cloud. Okay, so the Gemara gives an example of this. What's a good example of this? So the Gemara says, Kei Tzon, So the Pasuk says over here, the Pasuk says over here, this is talking about the Asham of the Mitzora, right? The Pasuk Saras has to go through an entire purification process and also has a certain order of sacrifices. Karbanah said he has to bring. So the Torah is speaking over here about the Asham of the Mitzora. So the Torah says that ultimately, again, his asham has to be like the chatas and the like a chatas and a regular asham. Ki kechatas haashamu. Shein tamud lomar kechatas haasham umat tamud lomar kechatas haasham. Why does the Torah have to compare the asham of the mitzora to a regular asham, a regular chatas? Lefishiyatsa asham mitzora lidon bedaver chadash. Because let's listen to this. The asham of a mitzora is a different type of carbon. What's unique about it? What's unique about the Ashram of the Mitzvah? Ultimately, again, Bebohen Yad, Ubohen Regal. But I'll say, what's unique about it? There are blood applications, right? It's fascinating. You only have this by the Mitzvah. Blood applications by, of the Ashram, where do you put it? On his right thumb and his right big toe. Right? So this is unique. So the Gemara says, Bedavra Chadash, Bebohen Yad, Ubohen Regal, Yimanis. Locho, Yachol, Lo Yehei Ta'un Matan Dama Veimur Legab Mizbeach. So I might have thought that since Asher Mitzora is so unique in that it requires the blood applications on his toe and on his thumb, I might have thought that therefore, therefore what? It doesn't require blood application and placement of limbs on the Mizbech. In other words, I would have thought, so I will say, here's what's happening over here. It's just, an, it's just it's an application of the principle. Asher Mitzora was in the Klal. Which Klal? Which Klal? The Klal of Kabanos. What's Allah by Kabanos? Kabanos have Zrika, right? Blood applications and... Ultimately, again, placement of limbs on the Mizbeach. So, and Asher Mitzorah is included in that. But then what does the Torah do? The Torah pulls out Asher Mitzorah from the Klal of Karbonos. How does the Torah pull out Asher Mitzorah from the Klal of Karbonos? How does it do it? By telling you that Asher Mitzorah is subject to something unique that other Karbonos are not. Namely what? Namely what? Blood applications on the thumbs and on the toes. Now, say, I would have thought once Asher Mitzorah is pulled out from the Klal of Karbanos, that also means what? Maybe there's no blood applications on the Mizbeach, and there's no placement of limbs. Therefore, the Torah says, Tamud Lomar, top of Zayin, Zayin of Beis, Tamud Lomar, Ki Incredible. Therefore, say, what does the Torah do? Says, this is the Elshishla principle. The Torah says that the Asham of the Mitzorah is just like any other Chatas and Asham. Mach, or I should say, it's just like a Chatas. Ki Chatas HaAshamu. The Asham is going to be like the Chatas. Namely, what? Ma Chatas Tuna Matandamim. Just like a regular Chatas requires blood applications. Ve'imurim Legabi Mizbeach. And you put the limbs on the Mizbeach. Af Asham Taun Matan Damim Ve'imurim Legabi Amizbeach. So to the Asham, requires blood applications and the placement of limbs on the Mizbeach. And I both say, now listen to this, I, say, I just want to point out this is very exciting, because what just happened over here, this is an illustration of another exegetical principle, which is when you have a klal, right? A klal, a rule, or really a group, a grouping, and something is extracted from the grouping, okay? And now again, there is a chiddish in that extracted item. So ultimately, again, the only way to put that item back in the group is how? 
if the Torah tells you to put it back in the group. Otherwise, I wouldn't put it back in the group. What's the illustration of that? Let's just do this outside once more. Asher Mitzorah. What happens with Asher Mitzorah? The Asher Mitzorah is unique. So f- let's start. When we start with the Asher Mitzorah, it's part of Karbanos. Good, like any other Karban. Then it's pulled out. How is it pulled out? How is it pulled out? Right? Blood applications on the thumbs and on the big toes. That's how it's pulled out. Once it's pulled out, I say to myself, well, maybe it's pulled out for everything. And what would that mean? That means maybe Ashram Mitzorah has blood applications on the thumbs and on the toes, but there's no blood applications where? On the Mizbech and no placement of limbs on the Mizbech. What does the Torah do? The Torah puts it back. How does the Torah put it back? With the phrase, Ki kechatos ha'asham. Ki kechat, Torah puts it back into the rule. So watch this. Ve'ilo ahadrekra. Now I both say, therefore the Pasuk says, Aman zayinam days, four lines down. Ve'ilo ahadrekra. And had the Torah not put, not put Asham Mitzorah back into the general grouping of Karbanos, I would have thought, Hava Amina, Lemai Dinafik Nafik, Ulemai Delo Nafik, Lo Nafik. I would have thought that Allah Lamaisa, for that which, right, for that which it was extracted, it was extracted. And for that which it wasn't extracted, it wasn't extracted. Namely, what? Achinami. Hava mina eishes achud adishtaria, sorry, achas, achos, sorry, eishes ach deshtaria, ishtari, shar arayos lo. Siravosai, what the Gemara is saying is like this. In general, when something is part of the rule and then extracted from the rule, I would have thought that Lamaisa, once extracted, it remains what? Extracted. Right? So, we'll say, so, so too over here, here's what's fascinating is, we'll say, remember again, this whole sugi is all very simple. We're just trying to figure out why the Torah has the Pasuk or has the Drasha by Achos Yishto. That's all we're trying to figure out. Because what's interesting about Yibum is as follows. Yibum seems to be this same type of model, which is you have a Klal. What's the Klal? The Klal ultimately is Arayos. Arayos. Something is pulled out of Arayos or someone. Who's pulled out of Arayos? Who's pulled out? Eishes Ach. My brother's wife is pulled out, right? For Yibum purposes. So I will say, in general, so what happens if something is part of the Klal, pulled out of the Klal, and then has a Chiddush applied to it? What do we do with that pulled out item? Generally, we keep it separate and distinct. The only time we put it back in the Klal and potentially learn it out to other things is when the Torah puts it back. Does the Torah put Eishas Ach back into the Klal of Arayos? Bepashtus, no. If that's the case, the default would have been to assume that Halacha Lamaisa, the only permitted erva for Yibam is my brother's wife. But no one else should be permitted. If no one else should be permitted, then why do I need, I'm back to, I'm really back to, I'm always, I say it's such a good metaphor for life, right? Sometimes no matter how much traction forward I feel like I make, I, I realize I'm just back at square one, but it's okay. We'll say, you know, the beauty in Yiddishkeit is it's really not about how far you get. It's just about how hard you try. And that's the most important thing, because sometimes when I'm back to square one, I feel like all of my efforts have been an exercise in futility and chas v'shalom. I don't get schar for the amount of, you know, for the, for the length of the journey, right, or for the amount of area I traverse. I get schar for the amount of effort I put in. So I'm back at square one, but I feel great. I feel great. So we'll say, se'elo chamina. Okay, so I'll say, so we're, but we are kind of back to square one. So now listen to this. But, but you have to admit, the, the journey is fascinating. We'll say, also, you are like this, where we're learning about so many different exegetical principles. It's just fascinating to see. So we'll say, so now I'm going to take you on a wild journey to an incredible case. So I'll say, rather again, I would have thought as follows. I would have thought as follows. I will say, so the Gemara is not telling me, I'm going to tell you why I need the Limud ultimately again from, from Achos Ishto. Because I would have thought as follows. I would have learned from a Mematzinu. What's a Mematzinu? So we'll say, what's a memasino? Memasino almost means like a common denominator. I would have said like this, what's a common denominator? We'll say, Eishas Ach is an erva, is an erva. And yet what? You're allowed to do what? You're allowed to do what? Yibum. So what does that teach me? What's, what's the rule? What's the rule that the Torah is making? An erva is permitted in Yibum. <laughs> okay, by the way, sounds so simple and it makes so much sense, right? That's the memetzinu. Memetzinu is a, probably a better word than common denominator, but you know, co- commonality, a common theme, right? M- literally, memetzinu means what have I found, 
right? What's unique about Eshesach? What if Eshesach is in Erva? Yet the Torah says, I'm permitted to go ahead and perform Yibum. So to what I would learn from that is, any situation where Halacha Lamaisa, there is an Erva, Yibum is permitted. To which the Gemara says, come on, that's ridiculous. Midami, Hasam Chad Isura, Hacha Tre Isuri. Well, so here's the problem. But it's very interesting. By my brother's wife, there's only one Isser. There's only one Isser. What's the one Isser? My brother's wife. Listen to this. By my wife's sister, who's now also the Yavama, there's two Isurim. What are the two Isurim? Number one, number one, she's my wife's sister. Number two, she's my brother's wife. Right, because remember again, the case of Achos Ishto that we're talking about over here, remember, there's the Pasuk that says you can't marry your wife's sister. And then what we're focusing on is the drasha of Aleha Aleh, the Gzir Shava from Achos Ishto to Yibum, which teaches me I can't do Yibum with my sister-in-law, who is also my sis my wife's sister. So the Bible says, the Bible wants to suggest, I don't understand, why can't you just use a mamas in a common denominator and just say, just like in a regular case of Yibo, my brother's wife, she's in erva, but she's permitted, so too any case of erva is permitted. And therefore I could go out and do Yibo, even with my sister-in-law, who's also my wife's sister. So the says, no, because it's a simple, I'll tell you why it's just an erroneous argument. My regular sister-in-law is one sir. My wife's sister, who's also my, who's also my brother's wife, is what? Two isurim, two isurim, what would you have thought? I might have thought that what? Well, we'll say, maybe what we say is like this. Once Yibam is permitted, then what? Everything should be permitted. I was about to say, once you have the concept of Yibam, and Yibam is enough, this is fascinating, and Yibam is enough to permit the prohibition of brother's wife, then what? It should be enough to permit any other Isser that is upon this woman as well. So I'll say, whole of the Ishri, Ishri means once it's mutter, it's totally mother. So we'll say, by the way, this is incredible. So what we're saying over here is, once you tell me already that it's permitted for me to marry my brother's widow, right, which is a chiddush by itself, once that's permitted, then no matter how many, I would have thought, no matter how many layers of iser she has upon her, it should still be permitted, right? So okay, happens to be now that in addition to being she, my brother's wife, she's also what? My wife's sister, fine. Fine, but once it's permitted to do yibum, hold the ishri. Ishri means once it's mutter, once it's mutter, the hetter should set aside as many layers of isra as there are. But now watch this. How do we know that we have this concept? How do we know there's a concept like this of hold the ishri? How do we know there's a concept that once something is permitted, it's permitted. Where, where does this concept come from? So I will say, this is an incredible case. Watch this. Tisanya. Mitzorah shechal shmini shalom be'erah Pesach. I will say, this is such a great case. Very, very quickly. Or at least we'll start it today. Right? Very quickly. You have a Mitzorah, right? The person with Saras. So what happens to the person with Saras? Yes, Saras. Saras has a seven-day purification process. Right? At the end of seven days, day number eight, he goes ahead and he brings a carbon. He brings a carbon. That's day number eight. So I will say, so... Remember, so you have your Mitzorah now, Shechal Shmini Shloba Erev Pesach. So his eighth day of purification. Now, by the way, also another piece to this is, a Mitzorah, when he is Tomei, is sent out of all three camps, right? Machana Shechina, Machana Levia, Machana Yisrael. Which means a, a, a Mitzorah who is Tomei is even pushed outside of Yerushalayim. After his seven days of purification, he's permitted to come back in even into my, right, into, into, he's been permitted to come back into the camp, right? Even before he's brought his karbanos. So on day number eight, he brings his karbanos. Now watch this. If you have a Mitzorah whose eighth day fell out on Erev Pesach, okay, so now good news, what's the good news? He'll bring his carbon Erev Pesach on the eighth day, or he'll bring his carbon on his eighth day Erev Pesach, and then he'll be able to bring his carbon Pesach, and he'll be ready to take carbon Pesach with Klal Yisrael. Now watch this. And then he has a seminally mission. And I will say, what's the halachol of seminally mission? So remember, again, you go to the mikvah, but remember, you're tummy until when? Tummy until when? Until that night. So I will say, here's the problem. Here's the problem. A balkari is not permitted to come into the mikdash. The problem is, we're going to see, the mitzora for his purification has to come up to Sharnikanor, has to come into that gate from the courtyard into the kodesh. 
So how could he come from the court? So on one hand, he has to come to Sharnikanor in order to be able to achieve his purification, but now he's a Balkari. Watch this, watch this. Even though normally a Tvul Yom, a person went to the mikvah by day but has to wait until nightfall, which is a Balkari to become Tar, even though normally a Tvul Yom cannot enter into the Mikdash, Ze Nichnas. Ultimately, again, this Mitzvah is permitted to enter. Why? Mutov shiyavo asei shiyesh bokares, v'yitcha asei she'en bokares. Ultimately, again, we'll say, why? We'll just finish quickly. Why? Because halacha lemaisa, letna asei that has kares, that's a reference to Karim Pesach. Right? Letna asei that has kares, come and set aside an asei that doesn't have kares. So we'll say, the asei that has kares is failure to do Pesach. The asei that doesn't have kares is ultimately, again, the, the idea that a balkari or tvul yom should not come into the mikdash. The truth is, Rabbi for a balkari, a tvul yom, not to come into the mikdash is not even an asei. Right, Yoshafat stood before the Kal Yehuda and the new Chatzar. My Chatzar Chadasha, Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Shechidshu Badvarim. It was the Chatzar in which they went and they introduced novel ideas. Namely, what? Va'amru, Tvulom Yoloikanis Lamachana Levia. That a Tvulom should not enter into Machana Levia. But say Machana Levia would include the Chatzar and the steps up to Sharni Kanar. Va'amru Ula, Matam. They will say, ultimately, again, and what's the reason? Again, essentially what we say for the Mitzorah is like this. Once the Mitzorah, it's a Chiddush, that a Mitzorah, who has not yet offered up his Karbanos to begin with, is permitted to do what? Walk up, this says, Rabbi, remember again, if you're entering into the Beis HaMikdash, which we should be Zohar to do, if you enter into the, what we call the Ezras Nashim, or the Chatzar, if you keep walking straight, you walk up a series of 12 steps, takes you to a big golden door. That, that first gate, that's Shar Nikanor. That's where the Mitzorah stands for the blood applications for his, for his thumbs and his big toes. Rabbi, the truth is, the Mitzorah shouldn't really be able to come into Shar Nikanar because he's Mechusr Kippurim. He starts to bring his Karbanos. So yet, there's an incredible Chiddush. He's permitted to come because he has to come there for his blood application. So essentially, what do we say? If the Mitzorah becomes a Balkari on day number eight, which also happens to be Erev Pesach, we let him go ahead and what? We let him go ahead and come to Shar Nikanor for the blood applications. How could we do that? Hoil v'ishtariya, ishtariya. Because once it's permitted for him to come to, for his blood applications, we permit him to come even though what? He's a Tvul Yom. Even though technically speaking he's a Balkari, went to the mikvah, but still needs hair of Shemesh. This is an illustration of the principle. Once something has been permitted, it's what? Permitted in totality. Just to wrap this up, therefore what the Gemara wants to suggest is why don't we apply this same concept by Yibam? And why don't we just say by Yibam? Here's how it works. Once you're permitting, once you're permitting a forbidden relationship, then what? Permit everything. Permit everything. In other words, you were already matir in our eyes. You were matir in Ereva. You took a relationship that was prohibited and you made it permitted. Once you did that, then any Ereva ultimately should be permitted for Yibam purposes. Rabbi say, I'm going to leave you on this cliffhanger and the Mirat Hashem will continue tomorrow. Shkoach. Chevra back in Baltimore. Wonderful to see all of you. And Shabbat to everyone. Again, Chevra on Zoom. Mamash a lot of Jews learning Torah together. Grace was learning Torah. Have a great day, everyone. Yeah, I, for, I, I forgot to. Uh...